Welcome to the Crucible. This is episode seven. I'm Tiny Grimes. I'm joined for the third week in a row by Neil, the real deal. Yo, Mike, Rebel Spy. I'm just saying, do we have a new host? I don't know. I'm not going to say we are, but Mike, things are looking bad for you. You might want to, uh, you know, wake up. All right, Neil. Uh, welcome back. This is the, the question I always like to ask. How much Keyforge did you get in, in the last week? I got in no games of Keyforge in the last so week. So many games. So many zero games. None. Okay. That's None good. at all. That's yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm ramping up my practice for world championships for Game of Thrones and L5R, so I have yeah. a little less time for the online Keyforge games. That makes sense. Um, I was able to get in one session with our buddy John. I printed up two new decks, brought them over two decks that haven't been seen anywhere. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. I purposely did something where um, I brought Logos decks that did not have library access in them. I've just decided that okay. I want John to like the game. So I'm not going to play decks with library access right away. Like, we'll show him the broken stuff a little bit later. He doesn't have to, to get upset yet. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. One thing I did realize with this game, Neil, is I'm kind of the guy that's known as printing a lot of proxies. Not because I don't own the cards, but because I misplaced the cards. Uh, <laughs> and if you print a deck, it costs me like three bucks a deck to print. The oh, decks wow. only cost ten bucks. Like proxying decks is the worst thing ever, and it feels even worse to be printing these decks because I'm like, these are not real decks, and I spent money and time making them, and they're gonna be worthless soon. So, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting revelation I had. Yeah, it's I'm definitely used to proxies in other games because you need more copies of commonly used cards to build multiple decks or like you said you misplace them or just haven't sorted your cards in a long time and don't want to bother finding it uh but with this yeah proxies aren't really a thing except for i guess you can try out someone else's deck but uh yeah it's interesting i'd say the only time i'm gonna proxy is i have a tier on my patreon page is like i'll take a look at your deck and mm. I think I might offer like a super deep tier where I'll actually print out your deck and play it as well. Like I'll play it five times and give you, you know, my my feedback that way. Maybe I'll end up printing proxies that way. But yeah, I'm looking for I'm actually really for looking forward, Neil, to not have to have arts and crafts be a part of my gameplay. I'm just looking forward to that. I gotta be honest. I don't love the cutting of the paper part of making proxies. No, no, it's not the fun part of the hobby the way that painting miniatures is or something yeah uh sure I, I guess i have imperial assault all my dudes are gray so yeah what that means is i, I didn't paint any of them <laughs> which makes it way worse by the way when you're like it's darth vader against luke two gray figures that you can barely tell what they are yeah it's not not quite as fun Okay, well, yeah. I wanted to talk today to start with about the big news, the FFG article that came out. I've seen a ton of negativity surrounding this article. And so I want to talk about what it tells us, maybe what it tells us about FFG, what we can glean from this. And I think there's a lot of important things. I think the first thing is that 
FFG has kind of realized that they built up all this momentum, and now they've kind of gone into those couple of months of where the hell's the game, right? Like, you got me. Mm-hmm. You got the momentum. What are you going to do with it? And I'm happy that FFG is like, okay, we realize there's a big gap here, so we're going to fill that gap a little bit with some tournaments. What do you think, Neil? Is this a positive from that standpoint? I would say so. You, uh, in the past, not just FFG, but, but many companies I've seen have had big launches at Gen Con, and then it's months until the actual wide release comes out. With Keyforge, it's a little weirder since it was sort of a surprise half, you know, people getting one deck at Gen Con. Um, so anything to keep the momentum until we actually get a full release, I think is worth taking a look at and is probably a good move on their part. Yeah, me too. Um, a, a big complaint I've seen is that these events are in, I'll just tell you the place, there's only six. Germany... England, Paris, France, Madrid, Spain, Denmark, and the Netherlands. So bottom line, if you don't live in Europe, it's going to be real expensive to get to these events. My guess is you won't. I've seen a lot of people from America, which is where I'm from, basically saying, what the heck, FFG? Why would you do this? This is It feels wrong to me. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on having these six events be in Europe? That was definitely the thing that caught my attention the most and was the most surprising to me. Um, I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it. It would have been nice for them to have, you know, one or two events in the U.S. It's a pretty big place and a pretty big part of their player base. Pretty big market. Can I go one step further and say Los Angeles is sunny and nice and big? Just come on over. I'll host it in my garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I it would have been nice if they'd, you know, hit like both coasts in the Midwest for the US, have one at each of those so that if you really want to, you can probably get to an event. Um but I don't know. I'm of the opinion that some events are better than none. So I think it is good overall and, and a little jealous of the European soon-to-be players who get to sign up and go to these. It, so I think it was probably a bit of a misstep that they didn't announce, at least at the same time, any North American ones. Maybe they still will, though it seems like they would need to do that pretty soon. Um, but I, I don't know. It's a weird choice, but I, I'm not up in arms about it or anything. Yeah. Um I've got a couple thoughts. First thing is, it's kind of about time Europe stopped getting screwed by FFG. So, like, that's true. From that standpoint, it's like, you know, this is good. Really step up and and handle Europe. I think that's a great idea, especially if the game is being printed in Germany. I think it also mm-hmm. makes them a lot easier to get this product in a timely fashion it doesn't surprise me at all that the first event is in germany right so it's like right they can just bring the product over it's a lot easier to get it there um so I, i'm not shocked that there are these events in europe since it's being printed in europe what wouldn't surprise me at all is if this was like the europe branch of asmodee that put this out 
and that there is mm. going to be the North American branch is just lagging a bit. That wouldn't shock me if they were like, good news, there are also going to be 12 events in the U.S. Uh, so I'll be a little surprised if there aren't, and if there aren't, like you, I will definitely be disappointed, but I'm not going to be up in arms simply because Europe tends to have gotten the short end of the stick here, so this is kind of good that that uh, they're, they're getting something here. Uh, I think something really important, though, is the dates. So the first one of these is October 20th. The last one is November 11th. I can't imagine they're going to have a preview after the set drops, which tells us the earliest is November 12th. And that seems unlikely, right? So, like, two weeks yeah. after the 11th, maybe? I think for a lot of people, that's a lot later than they were hoping. It's certainly later than I was hoping. I was sort of keeping my fingers crossed that it would release around the time of the World Championships, which is November 1st, um, so that I could get some product at FFG headquarters. But this does, I agree, tend to point towards a little bit of a later release date uh, I've seen some chatter about maybe November 15th. I think that that's the next Thursday after the uh, the last of these preview events that have been announced. So that seems like the very earliest possible date. Um, so sort of second half of November is, I guess, what we're looking at, which, you know, I wish it were sooner. But if they can get it in November... I think that I'll be satisfied. Yeah, I would be really satisfied if it was in September. <laughs> that seems <laughs> highly unlikely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think late November, that's just what we're going to have to deal with, right? It's just what it is. Um, and, yeah. So one of the weird things, though, is, so like, there's one event per country, and mm -hmm. uh, there are 64 player cap on it. That's mm -hmm. th this is one of the problems FFG has had with these kind of big cool moments is capping them far lower than the demand, which sets up this hard situation for them where it's like, yes, all this pop positive PR, we did it, we got this, isn't it awesome? And then all of these angry people like, well, I didn't get to do it. This is a bunch of bull. And it kind of surprises me that FFG keeps sort of like doing this same marketing strategy and not kind of figuring out that this leads oftentimes to more backlash than good. There are only 64 happy people here, and now there are thousands of people in America and probably hundreds of people in each of these areas that didn't get to go. Are you a little surprised that they kind of keep walking into the same backlash? No, especially with a product like this, where it is a very unique, new sort of printing process, and it's a preview event, so they might not even have, you know, full stock. Uh, it seems like you have to do some sort of player cap, uh, especially on these sort of preview events. It's disappointing that with a game that I feel like has a lot of hype around it, it's so low at 64, but... I think it's completely understandable. I couldn't see FFG, you know, having enough product, it seems like at least a month beforehand, to really basically full releases and let as many people as they want in. 
Um, and if your theory of there being North American events is true, then that's even more events that they have to have all of that stuff printed, shipped, ready to go. Um, I think the player caps are just a necessity of doing this sort of thing, and I think that the the building the hype... I think that people will find anything to complain about to a certain extent. So I think that the hype of preview events outweighs people griping about not being able to go to said preview events, in my book at least. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, I will say we have a little evidence that they're coming to the U.S. because we have um, at TwitchCon... Right. There's going to be an event in San Jose, California... And I am a Twitch partner, and I got to admit, that is really tempting for me to be like, I'm going to TwitchCon, not to hype my stream in any way, but just to play key for it. So, like, all these streamers trying to make connections. Hey, what's your stream? I was like, shut up. I don't care about my stream. I'm just here to play KeyForge. What's KeyForge? What do you mean, what's KeyForge? Uh, yeah. It's that would be pretty silly. One thing that is a little weird about it is that it says introductory KeyForge events running all weekend at the event. Yeah. So it's different from the preview events. It seems like it might be more just sort of demos rather than so. being able to actually get your hands on product and really play a competitive space like you would want. Yeah, exactly. And I think I would be wildly disappointed if I went to TwitchCon. <laughs> To yeah. play Keyforge, and it was like, would you like a demo, sir? You can play three turns. Yeah, I, I think I would be uh, a little miffed about that. Okay. But uh, what I'm really psyched for is that this is being put on by Cascade Games. And I know you're not a big Destiny player, but Cascade Games puts on these galactic qualifiers for Destiny, which are the coolest Destiny tournaments. They have these... Mm -hmm. amazing alt art prizes that are worth hundreds of dollars and actually retain their value. And they're the things that everyone wants to go to. So I'm excited that they're continuing this partnership. And that partnership makes me think we may have North American events coming that haven't been announced yet. Maybe I do know. Um, is it through cascade games? Does it say that? Yeah. Yep, it says right in the article, hmm. more details are available with our partners at CascadeGames.com. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, that, I think, is specifically, though, for the TwitchCon event, because at least for Legend of the Five Rings, um, Cascade has been running all of the North American tournaments, the same with Destiny, but in Europe, it's been a different uh, hmm. company that's been running the OP, at least for L5R. Sure. Um, but it says that it's the same prizes, and prizes come from FFG. So yeah. ultimately, uh, they've been really stepping up their prizes in the past year, year and a half for all of their games. So I'm hopeful that Keyforge will uh, follow in that path as well with some really cool prizes. Yep, me too. Thing that I found is, interesting about the article, yeah? Yeah, this article's got me excited. I, I know it's really gotten a lot of negative attention on Facebook and things like that, but when I read the article, I was like, this is all positive. Go Europe. Yeah. That's awesome, and uh, I feel like there's a good chance they're coming to North America. The one last thing that I wanted to mention is that I was 
excited when they had an entire graphic talking about like, oh, you'll get to watch and you know, hinting that maybe it'll be streamed, and then disappointed when they're like, we're inviting people to please stream this for us. <laughs> I wish that I wish that they were a little more committed to uh, to actually, you know, either setting up their own streaming or hiring out people to stream these events because that would be super cool yeah. uh, for everyone to sort of vicariously see all of the crazy plays that are going down. Oh, yeah. And, and I think this is a great moment to, to mention this, that if you are interested in being a content creator for this game, FFG gives you a lot of room to do that, right? A lot of companies handle a lot of that. FFG just doesn't, and like for Destiny, they don't stream anything but some of the games from Worlds, and so it leaves a lot of room open there. If you want to be someone who goes to these events and puts on streams, like that's something that's available to you. Get your commentary chops going and get on it. I can't wait to see what you've got. Yeah, definitely. The downside is that they also don't support their streamers the way that something like Blizzard does for their games. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, there's a ton of room and I think probably a ton of uh, interest in people stepping up and doing that. I I think yeah. that it would be cool if we tried doing that a little bit. All right, so here's what we're going to do, Neil. You fly to Germany. You uh, will just, you know, get a camera for me so I can see what's happening and we'll comment. I'm, I'm in, Neil. I'm in. I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair. Let me know if you want to do it. Um... <laughs> All right, let's talk about the next thing I want to talk about today, which is I've had a number of people recently message me or post comments on my videos with something like this. You know, it's it's videos like this that really upset me and demonstrate how people are mishandling this game. This is a game that gives you the opportunity to just buy one deck and play and here you are taking it seriously and talking about the competitive side already the game isn't even out it's not the point of the game stop doing that stop wrecking keyforge neil are we wrecking keyforge and we just didn't even know it well i was hoping you were going to say you were getting a ton of comments about how i'm such a good co-host and you're but... wrecking rebel spy mike's career <laughs> that too Okay, uh, so those sorts of comments to me are, I, I don't think that we're wrecking Keyforge. Mm -hmm. I think that it is a really cool game because there's room for both types of gameplay. That we can be super competitive and you can go and buy boxes and boxes of decks to try and find some really hyper strong ones and i think that there's also room for people to you know even ignore this content i i know that that's not what you want me to necessarily say <laughs> on this Coming video but Neil, like don't watch our show just stop watching now and unsubscribe hit the unsubscribe yeah, button now. no more done uh but like <laughs> if the competitive version of keystone isn't keystone keyforge <laughs> if keyforge Going ultra competitive isn't your thing. You don't necessarily have to listen to us who, you know, how much do we even really know, uh, discuss this back and forth for for uh, dozens of minutes. 
So I I get that people want to sort of protect the the unboxing and the mystical sort of oh it's all unknown it's all unique quality to the game but i'm hoping that the game is robust enough you can talk it to death and still find new things each week that you play yeah i i, I echo pretty much that exactly I, I think i think that's truly what makes this game unique is that you can play it casually like a board game and get the same level, if not more, enjoyment than a competitive player can. Um, with something like Star Wars Destiny, that's much harder to do because you mm-hmm. open some packs, your cards are not that good. Yes, you could just build a deck and play with your friend, but you're almost not even playing Destiny because the deck doesn't quite function right, right? Unless you have these certain cards, if you tried to then show up at a tournament it would just be complete obliteration and no one would have fun. Whereas with Keyforge, I feel like if you really want to just buy a deck and learn that deck and enjoy that deck, you could probably show up at a tournament, at least do all right. You can certainly have fun with your friends on your own. And yeah, I I think there's a lot of room to play it that way. But I think people need to realize that there's competitive people in any competitive event, right? That's just like how it's going to work. Some people are going to look at a Shadows deck and say it doesn't have bait and switch and I'm just going to buy another one. Like That's just the reality of the situation. And so identifying what the good cards are, I think there's a real value in that. If nothing else, even if you just want to open your one deck, you kind of know where you stand, right? Like You know, you know what? I've listened to some content. This deck is missing most of the power cards. I'm fine with that. But I know where I stand now, right? Like if I walk into a, to an event and this person has all these power cards, I can I can tell myself like this wasn't that fair of a matchup, right? Like I know yeah. what happened there. That person has better cards than I do, and that's fine. Bottom line is, I think there's room for everyone in this game, which is what's yeah. So cool and even if you're and even if you're buying one deck and playing one deck for forever, hopefully you're playing, you're making lots of friends and playing against lots of other people who yeah. have different interesting decks and a little bit of talk about strategy and card knowledge can help you sort of know what to expect so that you can outplay them with your one deck that you've learned backwards and forwards. Yep. Until it gets too many chains to play anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really hope there's a system that if you just win too much, it just gets chained. Like, okay. Yeah. Our algorithm doesn't say that deck is that good. But you just won worlds twice with it. It's, it's. It, I guess we're our algorithm's just wrong. It has nine chains on it now. Sorry. Yeah, I could see. Uh, there's always jokes in other games about like restricting certain players because they're just too yep. good. Yep. Like just, just uh, certain players maybe start just getting chains themselves mm-hmm. i mean i remember john won world with a targ deck and they restricted like 19 cards in this deck and you're like really <laughs> did you really need to hit that many cards and like john's too good we gotta hit them all and you're like okay fine yeah that's how you want to do it uh yeah so i think we're on the same page there right that this seems like a game where there's room for everyone what's what's really interesting neil is i feel like you are probably not going to play this game ultra competitively. Like, I feel like you're going to play it sort of casually. 
Yeah, I'm planning to be sort of middle of the road, tending towards casual. Uh, I'm definitely going to be more of the player who shows up at a tournament, buys a new deck, plays it for that tournament, sees how it goes. Uh, that's more sort of my style, especially with other games that I'm sort of trying to be competitive at, like Thrones. Yeah. I'm totally fine with just opening a deck and uh, seeing how it goes and not worrying too much about the the power gaming and the meta of what seems to be good. But I still want to think and talk about what cards exist and sort of have my gameplay and game knowledge up to speed, even if I'm not buying a ton of decks. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of in the middle where... The, one of the main reasons I'm so drawn to this game is that during the school year, I can't be Mr. Meta, right? Like, I can't know right. the ins and outs of every single card choice you can make in a deck. And this relieves me of that burden while still being able to play good decks at a high level and just, you know, buy maybe 10 or 12 decks and find two or three that I really like and kind of lean on them for a while in tournaments and then of course in fun games just randomly pick one um uh so that i think that's where i am so i think it's interesting that while that is a complaint that people have i don't think either of us are actually going down that that path of like my deck needs to have the following 16 cards to 22 cards if it doesn't have them i am buying decks till i get them i am on deck number 122 i will be buying 123 <laughs> tomorrow like that is Definitely not where I'm looking to be with this game. No, not at all. But uh, like we've said, because there's such a wide range, we want to discuss all the aspects of the game, including that. Yeah, and to me, you know, it's fu it's just fun to talk about what are the best cards and what's the deck I'd like to have. It does not mean I'm going to buy a million decks till I get there, but I can still yeah. dream of the perfect mm -hmm. deck with 17 library accesses. Actually, that would, that would be uh, illegal and probably not that great. Well, they have, have some cards that are out of faction. Oh, that's right. But, uh, oh, man, some Mavericks of a card that's already in your deck. Whew. Yeah. That would be an interesting, that would be an interesting deck. Uh, okay, well, let's, let's move on from that. So yeah, I, yeah. I want to close out this episode because we didn't talk a lot about actual cards. Neil and I have each identified two cards that we want to talk about this week as being strong oh wait 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 neil before we mm -hmm. do that we had yeah. a quick discussion about something i just want to say ffg you're liars i'm just saying it now uh ffg like most companies when they make card games they go like this the rares are just about complexity they're not that powerful don't worry liar they are powerful. Now, I will agree, you're right. The commons are really strong in this game. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But it is the rare, rare that I've seen and went, that's not good. Usually it's like, oh, my God. Please tell me mm -hmm. that's a rare. And you're like, oh, it is. Don't worry. I'm like, okay. Whew. Because if that wasn't a rare, like, that happens to be most of the cards. Do you agree with that sentiment, Neil? I completely agree. And in a lot of card games, I have often find it's the more complex cards that are usually more powerful it's sort of i feel like it's part and parcel it's it's just a little bit too intertwined to design that out of rare cards if they're complex there's probably going to be some ways that they can break the game in 
pretty crazy ways. So, yeah, uh, yeah the rares that I've seen, I haven't even looked at the card pool super closely, uh, every single card, every single rare, but what, from what I've seen, yeah, they're very strong. Okay. And to be honest, I think that's good. Like, you don't want to open your deck and have it have two rares and they're terrible, and then your buddy opens no. up a deck with two rares and they're awesome, and you're just like, what? Why do they get all the bad rares? So it's not yeah. a bad thing, but I'm just saying, you're liars, your pants are on fire, the rares are awesome. Okay, we can move on now. Okay. Neil, what is the first card you want to talk about this week? The first card I want to talk about is a rare. It's <laughs> from one of the factions that I really enjoy. It's from Brobnar. It's a card, it's a creature named Khalifi Dragon. It's got pretty awesome art of a dragon in armor. It has 12 strength. It is a dragon. It has the text, Khalifi Dragon cannot be played unless you have 7 amber or more. And it has the ability, when you fight or reap with it, you gain 1 amber and deal 5 damage to a creature. That is quite... (laughs) A big monster of a creature, uh, which I love. Yeah, that card is one you normally discard, Neil. <laughs> um, I agree, Neil. If you live in magical Christmas land and you're able to get seven regularly with a deck, like you can't just have it be like there was this one turn that I had five and then I got three more and I could have played it but I didn't draw it and then the whole rest of the game is dead. That's a really hard card to get out of, to get out. But I I can see it being good in certain decks, right? Like if you can... Yeah. I don't know. Like you can get a turn with Loot the Bodies, where you can Mm -hmm. get a whole pile and do it there. It just feels like a Neil card to me. Like it's a combo card. There's a high ceiling, but it's situational. And for me, I hate those kind of cards because I feel like, there's plenty of cards that are not quite as good as that card, but are still good. And I don't have to have, like, the perfect setup to be able to play it. I just play it. But he is good. I agree with that. It's very strong. And I like that Brobnar has a few way, a few tricks where you can be able to uh, ready this and fight immediately. So you the benefit on the turn that you play it. Um I think is going to be a key to using it well, um, and I think that it, I think that it will be doable as people get better at the game and learn the rhythm. And if you have a deck that has any archiving, then you can archive it and sort of set up a turn yeah. where you will get the amber and you can play it. Um, so I agree, it's probably not strongest card, but I think it's. Super awesome, and I would be very excited to have it in one of my decks. All right. Um, I just want to remind the listeners, if you have six at the beginning of your turn, you have to forge a key, right? So it can't be a scenario where you go like, ooh, I have them in my hand. I've got six. I'm going to pass on the key forge so I can play the card. You have to do it. So like we're talking about, you have to be at five at the start of your turn and get the amber. You can't start there. So, yep, it's tough. Yeah. I had it in, in one deck that I played. It's on a deck on TTS, 
And I think I played the deck twice. I was not able to ever get that card out. But then again, I didn't hold it a long time. Neil, I was kind of like, I can't play him now. I don't see myself being able to play him next turn. Poof, he's gone. I want cards in my hand. So, yeah. It's interesting. Um, my first card is... Yeah, tell me about your card. Skippy Time Hog. From a Skippy real faction. Time Logos. Hog. Uh, we just learned about this card, I think, today. It is a creature. It only has one strength. That's fine. Playability. Your opponent cannot use any cards next turn. <laughs> that is insane. They can still play them. They can still discard them. They can't. They just can't use their cards that they have. Uh, you cannot use any cards. Yeah, but it's still pretty limiting. That's like reaping, attacking, using abilities... So it's like a really strong Fogify on a body. Uh, and this is going to shock you, Neil. This really extraordinarily good card is a rare. Liar, liar, yep. pants on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very strong card. Especially if you can put yourself in a position where you're going to be forging a key next turn or something. Yeah. Um, it really just... Gives you such a window of opportunity. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm real happy that's a rare. By the way, I would not want. To yeah. Deck oh, definitely. Would not be fun. No way. All right. What's your next card, Neil? My next card is from my absolute favorite faction. Oh, Mars. Shadows. Shadows. Mars. Oh, Mars. Mars. Wow. Yeah. It is. Big surprise. Another rare. <laughs> Okay. This one is an action. It, it is Martians make bad allies. Okay, I don't it says know this play, one. reveal your yeah, play, reveal your hand, purge each revealed non Mars creature, and gain one amber for each card purged this way. Hmm. I think this is a really cool card because I I, I like the idea it'll take very specific decks to see if it works this way. But I like the idea that if you draw this early and your opponent isn't putting on much pressure, you could try and just purge five cards from your hand, thin your deck down, so that if the game goes long enough and you're drawing enough, you're drawing more Mars cards, getting more of these benefits from having lots of Mars stuff. And, uh, and it gets you Amber, which is always nice to have ways to uh, get big bursts of Amber. Yeah, like a lot of Mars power cards, it feels highly situational with this massive ceiling. Because I'm envisioning another scenario where it's a Mars Logos deck. You've archived like eight cards. The start of your turn, you're like, I will take my archives. I will purge nine creatures, nine That's Amber, even better. And I win. That's even better. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, that feels like a card you would love, and I look at and go, this is like a C minus. Like I can't even see this being good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think this is going to be really cool and hilarious. A disuncommon, the Stealer of Souls. He is six strength, so he's pretty strong. After yeah. an enemy creature is destroyed, fighting Stealer of Souls. Purge that creature, gain an amber. So this seems pretty strong to me. It's got a big enough body where 
especially if you can combo it. I'm going to say something you'll not hear me say often. You can combo it with Brobnar and go like, stand and fight, stand and fight, do it like three times in a turn. What I have noticed is that purging creatures can be devastating. If you have oh, yeah. a control deck, and this oftentimes will have a control deck, especially those little um, shadows guys, like the urchin that just comes in and steals one. If you can purge oh, yeah. those out of the deck, in a long game they've lost a lot of their firepower and bodies, and in that second time through, suddenly their deck is decimated. Uh, he feels like he could be pretty good. And then you have cards like Arise to just bring him back. They they finally kill him. Arise, he's back. And you're like, no, no more of this guy. Uh, so, I don't know. I think he's interesting. I don't think he's overpowered, but I think he's certainly a very interesting card. Yeah, I've played with and against this card on Tabletop mm-hmm. Simulator. And it's been pretty annoying. It's never, like, game-winning, but it's always, like, one of the sort of mid-to-high threats on their board. I'm like, "Uh, how am I going to deal with that without just purging off half my board and giving them, capturing, or no, yeah, they gain the amber. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good threat, and for an uncommon, very strong card. Yeah, and it doesn't feel that threatening, at first, because you're just kind of like, okay, purges, Purge and Death isn't that much different, unless I was playing Regrowth or Arise or something like that. It's when mm-hmm. the deck flips over because Dis has so many control cards, and they've wiped your board nine times, and it flips back over, and your deck is smaller, and the reason it's smaller is because it's missing its best creatures, and that's when you start to go, oh, no, this, this could all yeah. go wrong now. Yeah, I'm I'm drawing creatures, but they're my bad ones. He purged the good ones. I'm I'm in some trouble. And correct me if I'm wrong, but because it's not a fight action, it says after an enemy creature is destroyed fighting him, it works both if he's being attacked or attacking, correct? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that I think that that's also the kicker that really makes it frustrating to get rid of. Yep. Exactly. You can't just throw a couple guys into him. And, and have them die and not matter. They're still getting purged. So, yeah. And getting you yeah. I, I think purge is one of the mechanics that's been kind of overlooked so far in strength. And when I agree. we start to get these really good decks, right, of people saying, my deck needs to have a rise in it because it's so strong, which gets all the cards back, all the creatures back from a particular faction into your hand, or regrowth, which lets you loop the, the really good guy. When Steal Their Souls can just kill that guy... It changes everything. Like that, that can change your whole strategy. If you've got like a, a Witch of the Eye regrowth thing you're building up to, and you're like, yep, yep. And they're like, the Witch of the Eye's purge. And like, no, that was my whole strategy. What are you doing? That could be really And it'll be a real skill testing mechanic to see if you can both uh, ident- identify in your opponent's deck what you need to purge mm-hmm. to disrupt their key strategy. And to know how to function your deck and pilot your deck when yeah. something you really want to keep <laughs> inevitably gets purged. Yeah, or or bait the purge, right? You're like, okay, I got this card in my hand yeah. that I desperately want to play, but I have to get this card off the board first and let them think that this is the bigger threat before I play the real threat. 
that to me is where Keyforge gets really fun when we start going three levels deep in the back and forth of what gets purged. I'm I'm real excited for cards like this. Yeah, me too. All right, Neil. Well, thank you so much for coming on once again to Welcome to the Crucible. And Archons out there, keep watch, hopefully every week. And hopefully, by the end of September, we'll... No, no, by the end of November, we'll have Keep Watch. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but maybe some more fun announcements soon and uh, some more fun podcasts soon. Definitely more fun podcasts, that's for sure. Uh, you can find me at Tiny Grimes Games on Twitter, uh, Tiny Grimes on, what's it called, Twitch? Twitch, I think it's called Twitch. That's where I'm streaming. Uh, and then on YouTube, I have some weird channel name. Just just search for Tiny Grimes. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right, Neil. You can find me nowhere. And you can find Neil right here. Apparently every week. That's right, Mike. Apparently every week. All right. We'll see you next time, Archons. Have a great day. Bye.